the sixth commandment this morning, Exodus 20, verse 13. By way of review, what have we gone over so far? Where are we? Yes, I know, the Sixth Commandment. Thank you, Stephen, for that. Um, and, and what have we seen so far? First Commandment, we saw that God calls us to have a right heart. You have no other gods before me. Um, if we're trusting in anything more than the Lord, then we're making a God out of that thing, out of that person, out of that relationship. So we are to be content with one sole God and trust Him as being sufficient. So you can have the right heart, you can be zealous, yay God, which God? Don't make an image, don't make a God of your imagination. Um, Trust in the God who is, rather than the God of our imagination. So we have right heart, right God, and then we talked about right reverence. Using his name in vain. Don't minimize his character, his words, his actions. Then we talked about right rest. Remember the Sabbath. Our gathering together on the first day of the week is a declaration of the rest that we have in Christ, who is Lord of the Sabbath. And then we talked about, we went on to the the second table. There's two tablets. The first tablet, these first four were generally considered to be vertical commandments to God, how we relate to God. Now, the second tablet, the remaining six commandments, we uh, generally consider them as being horizontal, how we relate to each other. And the first commandment that we saw in the second tablet, well, that sounds confusing. Um, The fifth commandment, which begins the second tablet, is also oriented to the heart. Honor your father and mother. We talked about that last week. Um... Our hearts, from the beginning of our lives, are trained to honor both the authority God has placed over us and the history and the truth handed down to us through prior generations. So if we're looking at, um, you shall not murder, what do you think we're looking at here? It starts with an R, just to tell you. What are we looking at here? What is he trying to get at? What's the soon? I'm kidding. You don't have to do the R, but just... <laughs> you have to guess what I thought about it at 2 o'clock this morning. It's okay. What, what, what do you think he's getting at with you shall not murder? First of all, it's another negative commandment, right? We had the fourth and fifth being positive, honor your father and mother, remember the Sabbath. The others were you shall not, you shall not, you shall not. So here we are back to the negative which is sort of depressing. We don't like negative. Um, what is he getting at? Is there what? a value of life? There's a value of life. What's the value? I mean, we're just mammals, right? We're made in God's image. We're made in God's image. Who made us? He did. He did. So what do we have at the core issue here? Life is a gift, right? And we're made in his image. This commandment is not just about don't stick a knife in somebody because you're mad. There's more here. The negative. Um, The Hebrew word for murder used here occurs 47 times in the Old Testament. 
In all but one of those instances, it refers to one human killing another. Um, just if you're curious what the one is that doesn't refer to one human killing another, it, it's in Proverbs 22.13, where uh, <clears throat> the quote of a fool in Proverbs, I can't go out in the street, a, a lion might murder me. <laughs> just to throw that out there. Not once is it used for someone killing an animal. Just so you know, the whole meat is murder thing, just throw it out of your head. It's not biblical. It's never used in referring to war. It's never used in referring to capital punishment or self-defense. Never used. Most often it denotes a planned or premeditated murder in the form of revenge or assassination. It also refers to a very, um, what we would call in our day, manslaughter, kind of gross negligence kind of thing. <clears throat> Is it limited? You shall not murder white guys 40 years old and bald. <laughs> Is it limited? Some take that to include suicide. Because the issue is the value of life, not necessarily the, the limited object. Person that says you shall not murder your brother, your fellow Israelite. It's not qualified. Now while um, the command is in a negative construction, like the first three, there's an implied positive command like the first three. What do you think the positive command would be? What does it take to murder someone? It's just not a willy-nilly thing, right? I mean, you, you come at it from a um, premeditated, you're thinking about it long and hard to do something like that. core of the commandment. J.I. Packer says this, the commandment rests on the principle that human life is holy. It's holy. That's an interesting choice of words. First, because it's God's gift, and second, because man bears God's image. If that's true, then it has more uh, implications than, than what gets you in jail. Um, in what ways do we as a culture disregard his image in the way we treat human life? Oh, let me count the ways. <coughs> what are some big ones? Immediately to mind, what comes to mind? How to make friends and influence people. Okay, that's just absolute murder in the heart, isn't it? How to make friends. Abortion. Why? Why would that be? I mean... Kills one person, killing another. Okay. How do you know that's a person? Because God made it. Okay. It has a heartbeat. Has a heartbeat always. You know, it's it's interesting, and of course I'm joking with you. I, obviously, there um, is pushback on that statement, or we wouldn't be having the debate. I, I find I find it very interesting that what um, 
what many people advocate doing in the womb they would never do to a two-year-old standing in front of them. Because we recognize implicitly the value of human life. Right? Uh, what's another way? I was being serious. The, uh, you were being serious. That just to, you got to find who you can to use for your benefit. Mm. Just step on wherever you need to climb to the top. Hmm. Okay. Can you ask a question? What other, what other ways in our culture have we devalued human life? We put a lot of emphasis on race. Okay. We categorize people based on skin color. Um, and that's worldwide. Yeah. Just American. Right. Right. We're, we're sensitive to it here because of our history, but other people have history too. Um, race. Is that a biblical notion? What's implicit in the concept of, of the understanding of race? What, what's, what's the underlying <coughs> worldview there? That we're all one race? Well, that would be the biblical view. I don't like the term race at all, actually. I think it's unbiblical. I think it carries with it the connotation of this pocket of goo grew up into this humanity, this pocket of goo grew up into this humanity, this pocket of goo, and there are different levels of advancement in society. That's not the biblical view. In fact, it's a very pagan view because remember back in Genesis we talked about how um, the, the belief in, in the creation uh, from the different pagan cultures was that one God created this section, one God created this section, and all for, for slaves to the God. And there are different pieces of humanity with different worth and value depending upon the power of the God kind of thing. That is very similar to the evolutionary understanding of race. I think the concept of race is unbiblical, antithetical to the gospel, and we should, as Christians, not even use the terminology, personally. I realize Sorry. It's okay. No, 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 no. no. I, don't mean, I don't mean that. I don't mean it to you. I think ethnic, ethnic differences are probably fine. I mean, we look a little different, sure. Uh, Tabiti Anwalabi is a guy I like to listen to a lot on this topic. He does. And, and his view is, and, and I think it's the biblical view, is they're all just various shades of tan <laughs> when it comes down to it. Some, some, some have more tan than others. Um, and because we have one couple, Adam and Eve, from which the whole race of man comes, I'll let the scientists fight over how that happens. I know what the Bible says. Um, we also have that relation in Romans 5. One man's sin, all alive. <coughs> One man's death and resurrection, all may be made alive. Um, Paul takes it very seriously that there's one race. One, one mankind. I think we should too. All right, what's another, what's another cultural, yes sir? Video games. Video games. First person shooters. First person shooter games. Why? What, they're all aliens, right? Well, I'm talking, like, take the game like Call of Duty, for instance, you know, like, um, say I was playing against, against, like, one of my brothers or something, and he shoots me, well, it's like, well, of course my character dies, but then, like, five seconds later, I get back up again, and I'm, I can continue playing. 
you play that long enough, you begin to you think that, well, shooting someone isn't really that bad because whenever I shoot someone, I mean, I think they're going to get back up because... Yeah, they're going to respawn. Yeah. Yeah. So it get so it's, I don't know, it, if you... Not that I'm familiar with that. There's a desensitization. Yeah. How will you be desensitized to the violence unless you're exposed to it? I mean, and that and that's what you're talking about is that the, the implicit in the game is a devaluing of life because it's just gonna, they're just going to respawn in another part of the map. Yeah, or like you do it long enough. Um, I feel like you kind of it's kind of hard. I'm trying to think of words to explain what's going on in my head. Um, that happens to me so often. <laughs> yeah, it's like the most satisfying feeling when you're playing a game like that yeah. is the stab or the, the when you cut their throat. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's the there's the expression that I that I've heard somewhere. <laughs> so there's so there's a culture around our entertainment that involves death, maim, and dismemberment. I feel like movies too. Remember uh, movies yeah. that way? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's not these things that, that make it because they help to grow. It's already there in us. Yeah, sure. The main thing that I think of is our selfishness. Okay. Valuing our own. Yeah, you could say that's human life. You're valuing it, but you're not. Mm. Because you're just valuing one God. That's what not yeah. taking life to what it is. Okay. So there's a culture of glorifying entertainment and death. It's almost like there's there's the means of grace and then Satan has his means of sin. <laughs> Tammy. I think when we think of the value of a person based on what they can do for us mm. or what they can do, period, mm. um, versus a, a handicapped child or an adult or, or a very older person who can't do a whole lot. <laughs> Okay, so we, we value life based on the usefulness to the society. Yep. Also, socioeconomic um, status. Why, why <laughs> do we care what an actor thinks about how to run our country or politics or something? We, they make $20 million a film, so we think, oh, they must know everything. So we're raising them to a pedestal that they shouldn't be on. Yeah, okay, yes, you're right. What about those instances where, like, you're over in Afghanistan and it's killed or be killed? That's war. That's war. Well, yeah, but it's still murder, is it not? No. No, it's war. Murder is like intent to... Unjustified killing is murder. Uh, A war situation, a soldier's doing a job that he's called to do, um, there are boundaries play in place. Obviously, you can go overboard, and there have been those instances. But in in war, with, with that's the government's. That's a, the government has the sword to protect boundaries and protect. Them. David uh, he slayed his tens of thousands. Mm-hmm. Yet he murdered uh, one. One, mm-hmm. and he got big. Yeah, God. God wasn't really upset with David killing Philistines in war. He was furious with him for killing Uriah. Even though it was done within the context of a war. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good point. It was his yeah. Premeditated, 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Good. What, I feel like another thing that, like, decreases their value in human life would be, like, the sexualization in Armenia. Mm-hmm. Like, not just the violence, but mm-hmm. just, like, um, like, women and even men are, like, seen as objects. It's, mm-hmm as just like an object for pleasure and not like a real person mm-hmm. that you can like relate with in like so much media. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, if all of life is equated to the, the, the primates, what's the point of, there's nothing more than my biological need anyway. Um, what about euthanasia? We kind of link that with abortion, I guess. They're not useful. They're they're sucking out the, the resources that we you know spending too much money. Spending too much money. Um, in in April of two thousand one, Holland earned the uh, the dubious um, honor of being the first country to legalize doctor assisted killing. What is amazing about that is that in Nazi-occupied Holland, back in World War II, Dutch doctors, Dutch doctors refused to obey orders to let elderly or terminally ill patients die without further treatment. One generation later, what was a war crime is now an act of compassion. Murder's in the heart. It's in all of our hearts, looking for a way to escape. How does the gospel transform this commandment? There are two points biblically. We should never be willing to deal out death so quickly. And two, we should not deify human life and conserve it at all costs. Some things are worth dying for. Right? Yes, sir. Human life is valuable, and it is also valuable to be spent for certain things. I can think of one person in particular who did that. Think of the perspective of Christ's own life. He was willing to lay it down voluntarily for our salvation. He was um, tried in an unjust trial, murdered at the hands of lawless men, Peter would say later in Acts 2. But he went to the cross willingly. Man, they're loud. What Miss Parrish, she's got a voice, doesn't she? <laughs> he lays it down willingly, submits to an unjust murder of his of his own body. Um, but during his life, he didn't despise his life. There were times when he kind of maneuvered around, almost getting stoned by the crowd. It wasn't his time. Uh, he never equated his life with animals, and. Uh, and he, and he ate meat, and he ate, took care of his body. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So here we have, if any 
man is the image of God, it's Christ. He's the exact representation of God. Christ is the true image of God in whom the true value of human life lies. And yet Peter, in Acts 3, says, And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Christ was unjustly killed so that God might be just and the justifier of the ungodly. The ungodly being those who would be justly killed. What do I mean by that? God's judge. He calls us to holiness. To reflect him. And when we don't do that, um, we commit what some have called cosmic treason against the king of the universe. Yet Christ lays his life down so that God is just in not executing just punishment on us. So Christ has gone through all this. He's lived the life we should have lived, died the life we should have died. He's got some street cred, I think, on the value of human life, right? And interpreting this commandment. So what does, he, what does he say about it? Turn to Matthew 5. Starting in verse 21. Louder? I'm not being loud enough? i got to talk over Miss Parrish? Soundproofing. You can feel it. All these things we've talked about, abortion, euthanasia, <clears throat> the devaluing of women and men, the over-sexualization of people in our culture, all of these things. And Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. What in the world? We've talked about all these things, abortion, euthanasia, all this stuff. And Christ is going to equate with what we yell on the South Loop at lunch hour, <laughs> with the hatred of those men that those men showed Robert Byrd in Jasper, Texas a few years ago. Remember that one? He equates it with that. How can he do that? It seems a little excessive. What's the point here? The murders, this magnitude. Is that magnified? Okay? Um, murder is um, degrading the value of human life, and if you hate someone, then you're automatically not caring about the value of their life. It comes from the heart. It's not an outward, it's not an outward manifestation of anything. It's rooted inside. Yes. It was, I was going to say murder is the exponential increase of hatred, sir. Yeah. I would think so. It starts in the heart. We commit hundreds of hidden murders every day. 
They flow from the same evil in the heart, and that evil is inconsistent for the Christian heart. Do we value the image of God? This commandment is not just about our relationship with other human beings. It's grounded in our relationship to God. How do we view him and what he's done by creating the, the, the person next to you, the person in the Cadillac with the <laughs> wide rims and the fuzzy dice on the dash and the stoplight, the beat just keeps going and going and going. And what's the point? He created them too. We may go to the mat on the evil of abortion, and we should. But do we go to the mat when someone commits a hidden murder of the heart and whispers it in our ears? You wouldn't believe what they did. One of of the, the, the statements in Romans 1 talks about the progressive abandonment of God of a culture, of a society, because of their sin. He just gives them over, and the levels of giving over. And um, as he lists out sins, the, the slander, the hatred, the all, you know, disobedient appearance, all this stuff, and then he, 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 he tags on this line that says, and give hearty approval to those who do so. Do we do that when we become a receptacle for someone else's hidden murder? Um, when it's just this malicious taking of a life, the commandment seems remote to us, doesn't it? It's out there. That's somebody else's problem. But Jesus makes this very, very personal. Doesn't he? James says it this way, James 1.26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, doesn't bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Worthless, deceived heart by how we use our tongues. That's painful. Yeah? I was just going to say, it's even sometimes we don't speak it, but it's, it's in our heart. Mm. You know, if, if this person weren't in my life, my life would be so much easier. Mm. If this person were out of the way, I would have the person I want to date, or I would have the job I want to have. Right. Yeah. It's it's a, a not valuing that person and just wanting them out of the way and not caring anything about them or seeing them as created in the image of God. Right. Right. Um James goes on in chapter three, if you're interested, it's in uh, James three, five through nine. It talks about the the tongue being a small member of the body. 
that sets things on fire and not in a good way? He says you can't tame it either, right? He says you can't tame it. What do you do with that? Pray? Yeah. Don't use it. Don't. Just write letters. <laughs> Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus said. It's there in the heart, these little murders, these hidden murders. It's a restless evil full of poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. It's inconsistent. It's deceiving ourselves to be involved in that. Titus, uh, in Titus, Paul says, As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. Elevating ourselves at the cost of someone else is, is divisive. It's a murder of the heart. And we condemn ourselves when we do it. None of us is safe from guilt here. Right? Yes? No? Yes? Anyone say, got it down. I love the guys on the South Loop. <laughs> it's all good. That professor. President. The kid, the person. <laughs> ah, you just had to do it, didn't you? I was safe up here. Down here, sorry. You guys are all up there. No one is safe from guilt here. What do we do? The weight of this commandment points to one thing, right? We need a Savior. We need someone who does who has loved the image of God perfectly. So much so that it was worth dying for. The weight of this points to our need for Christ and the great mercy of His cross. He was murdered that we might be forgiven both the outward and the inward murders that we commit. He was slandered that through His Spirit our tongues may be tamed. What are some things to do if we see this kind of stuff cropping up? You know, this I, I have loved the progression of this group. It's been amazing. We had three people when we started, and it's been a, you know, kind of a neat thing to see you guys kind of come together and what God, alert, has added like half. It's <laughs> um, been, been a neat thing to see you guys come together and love each other. And, and on Friday nights, we had this great time, uh, which I wish you guys could come to. But we, we, we split up into uh, guys and gals, sometimes, most of the time. We're trying to do it more often. And we have a time of prayer together where we confess sin together. And we, and we talk about what God's doing in our lives together. And we, and we have this um, interaction of um, encouragement and, 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 um, and, and all of that. Things are shared in community that are sometimes sensitive. And I'm, I'm, this has not happened. I'm, I'm not, I don't have anything in mind here. So I don't know who's talking. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying let's be careful how we handle that. Um, you will not believe what someone so said Friday night about what they're thinking. That's slander. 
that, that's, that is a murder in the heart. That's devaluing what, what, um, what is going on in their heart, what's God, what God is obviously wrestling with them in their own heart. Let's be careful of that. It, again, it has not happened. I'm not aware of it happening. And, but I just want us to be conscious of the, um, what's at stake there. What's at stake there? Any, any other comments? You think I didn't address in this? Yeah. As, as you were talking, I was thinking about my own selfish actions and how much it affects everybody else. Because if I'm being selfish and I'm just worried about me and I'm not, I don't even care about anybody else in the room or whatever, that is, is murder in the heart as well. Because my actions and my sin affects everybody around me. Sure. And if I'm driving 80 or if I'm driving 50, mm-hmm. that affects everybody else on the road. Yes, it does. And, it, you know, if... If I'm just going to be me and I don't, I don't care about anybody else, mm-hmm. that shows that I'm placing myself above everybody else, mm-hmm. therefore devaluing them, yeah. and that's a form of murder. Yeah, it sure is. And, and those things, it's hard to get out of that prison, especially if it's a pattern of thought. You know, we, we have these things that we do, that we get into patterns, and they, and they kind of, the way I view it, I'm, I'm a visual guy, so the way I picture it in my own heart is that there are grooves that are, that are worn from things that I do again and again. It's easy when you're punched a little to go where you're comfortable. Um, that's a, it's a harder battle the deeper that groove is. So fight it while you're young. Yes? Yeah, it's getting there. I think is the is the hard is striving to see Jesus as He is revealed, beautiful, worthy of our affection, attention, and zeal, and that in Christ He so identifies with His people that to harm or destroy one of these little ones. He says, it'd be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and thrown in the sea than to harm one of my little ones. There's an identification of Christ with his people that, well, we saw that in, in uh, Friday night uh, with, in Ephesians. You know, obey your parents in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Um, slaves, obey your masters as unto the Lord. There's an identification of when you treat how you treat someone, you treat them as if they were Christ to you. That's how we're to. It's as unto Christ that we're doing things. You wouldn't believe what Jesus said in prayer group. Would you do that? He'd know about it. Um, that's one thing to think about. Yes, and he knows about this too. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, verse 16 says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Mm. Um, something that I've been reading a lot about is comparison mm. and how the sin of comparison, whenever you compare yourself to someone, you're either going to be better or worse mm. than, than that person. Mm-hmm. So you automatically, um, the focus is off of Christ and onto you being your own God. 
Right. And do I have enough self, um, self pride or self respect or whatever to be my own god, or am I bad at being my own god? Like you know, just this debate and comparison. Um, I'm sorry, I got a visual in my head. I'm such a bad god. I, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. But, um, and then just thinking, the first murder, right. um, Cain and Abel, he was jealous of the relationship that his brother had to God yeah. and he accepted. Yeah. And so, just, um, and then going back to Matthew 5, where Jesus was addressing that commandment, he said, even if you are angry, or if you, you know, if it's anger in your heart, or if it comes out as a verbal insult, that's the same, that's equal. And so, in the scripture you said, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm-hmm. So you have to always be assessing, always opening your heart to God and saying, where am I idolizing someone else? Where am I faulting my pride mm-hmm. and truth? And it, any devaluing of human life is just going to come from a wrong perspective, wrong view of God. Yeah. Whether um, whether you're trying to worship the wrong God mm-hmm. or not worshiping the right thing or not believing the right things about God. He made this person that's doing this to me, he must not be good. Right? How, what was he thinking when he created them? I'm pointing to that side. Them. What, what, does, he, what does he... It's, a, it's a, not only a hatred toward your brother or sister or a human in general, not, not, just not limited to believers, but, just, but it's also... A slap to God that he's not, he didn't do a good job here. He made a mistake here, and it's affecting me. And, it, and a good test of that is to think, you know, if our thoughts were verbalized, if every thought was verbalized, mm-hmm. everybody would know how much I have compared myself to them mm-hmm. and either measured way up or way under. Mm-hmm. And that's an insult to all of those people. So if you, if you have that thought, I mean, I just, I've, I'm around so many people constantly who live their lives based on comparison and um, what who they are in relation to these other people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's exhausting. Yeah. It just comes out of un- an unbelief in God, even if they say they are a believer in Christ. Mm-hmm. Say you can't be when you're worshiping self or other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just automatically is devaluing. It certainly betrays an inconsistency to live that way, which could be a red flag for you're you're not in Christ. I mean, to keep on sinning, to keep that pattern going of of denigrating your the person next to your neighbor, to not loving the the acts of continually not loving neighbor may betray a heart that is that is not in Christ. If you're not growing in that area, yeah. I think what you mentioned about giving. Murder of the heart being whispered mm-hmm. lends itself to one of the powers of, of a community mm-hmm. because we can rebuke one another. We need to not be an accessory to, to murder. <laughs> Very good. Don't be an accessory to murder. So, what, how would how would we do that? What what process would you go through to to shut that down? If you're hearing something that is mm, this is not helpful at all. What do you do? In a way that is, you would believe so and so's gossiping about this person over here. You, know, you don't do that. Because, um, hello, murder. Um, so, what do you do? What do you do? I, I, I'm directed to you, but if anybody else has any, any thoughts on how to respond, yeah. I just, uh, you know, hold your tongue as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Okay? Hold if your you, tongue from insulting men yes. Yeah. But, but should you, you encourage them okay. not to not to because we've all felt it. Sure. You can share that well, I know why you're saying what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. However, confront them. Confront them how though? What, what's in the, a loving manner like, okay. like we see in the New Testament, you know, you have a problem with your brother and go to him and right. you know, the Bible is good for correction and reproof sure. and righteousness. Sure. But we don't say get new behind me, Satan. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm leaning this direction. Except except when I'm the one doing it. Um so what what might be helpful is to say, so when did you talk to them about this? How was the result of that conversation? Have y'all repented together? Are you going to church on Sunday before you do this? <laughs> right? Ask questions. Call for a response. Give an invitation. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. But, but be a source of rebuke, encouragement, correction, training. Yeah? In a lot of what we've been talking about, a couple points, um, we can... On the other side, we can be angry and sin not mm-hmm. in different situations that lend itself to that. I mean, I agree. They totally cross the line of you know, is it is it lawful mm-hmm. to God? Um, you know, we see Jesus with the cord in the temple. Mm-hmm. So and, uh, a lot of times I talk to people who are just oh, you just shouldn't shouldn't be angry, you know, at all. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, well, God, God is a jealous God. Yeah, you know, He's jealous for His righteousness, and we should be too. Yeah, um, and we should go about that in the righteous way. Sure. But and secondly, just about talking about murder and stuff, I've, I heard Bodie Bauckham before. He said that the reason why kids are so small is because they, if if they were not, they would murder their parents. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Think about it. You know, we're you know we're Adam. So my mom likes to tell it the other way around. She says the reason kids are so cute are so the parents don't. Don't murder them. <laughs> We are a very, very violent people, aren't we? <laughs> Honor your parents. Because they can kill you. Um, all right, That's so, so that you may live long. So, yeah, so you may live long. Yeah, very good. Very good. All right, any, any, any other? other uh, yeah. But would it be wise to pray for conviction on the heart as well? Sure. Um, maybe even before or after they come gospel to you or... Or during. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great, that's a, how do we, we can't tame the tongue. The only, the only hope we have in taming it is the power of the Spirit working in us. Again, we're dependent upon Him for the very ability not to murder in our heart. How sad are we? And yet, what a glorious thing, what a great mercy He gives to us in Christ. You're going to say something? Oh, you just wiping your face? It does. Well, I'm sorry. Um, all right. I didn't have a clock. I'm sorry. I just looked at the phone and it is 10 10. So I'm going to pray so that you don't want to murder me for making you go to church. Um, all right, let's pray. Father, again, we're confronted with the depths of our depravity and the amazing grace that you've given us in Christ. James writes to us in chapter 2, verse 10, that if we break one of the commandments, 
were guilty of all of them. Because he who said, do not murder, do not commit adultery, also said, don't covet. That points to the fact that the, the commandments, the moral code that you've given us in the Old Testament and re, um, re, have reiterated again through Christ in the New Testament points to your nature, your character. And when we violate them, we are saying you're not good enough. This is better. My anger is better. My hatred of my brother is better than your goodness, kindness, and mercy that you've called me to reflect. God, forgive us for that. Give us the Holy Spirit as a counselor, a convictor of sin in our hearts. Thank you for the grace that we have in Christ who endured the cross for those who should be justly condemned. All of us in this room. And so I pray that you would draw us to Jesus. Let us see him high and lifted up, beautiful and worthy of our um, affection, attention, and submission to treat others as unto the Lord. Be with us as we go into the main service. Pray that you be with Philip. Help him to, uh, once again, uh, preach your word faithfully and to get out of his heart what he's been preparing all week. Help us to have receiving hearts to hear what your spirit would say to your church this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.